0: And now a message from Pastor Josh Carmody. Uh, we've been going through the Book of Galatians, as you probably know, and if you don't, I'll let you know. We've been going through the Book of Galatians, and uh, our current sermon series is called "Faith Alone." Everybody, say "Faith Alone." Faith Alone. Faith alone. So we've been talking uh, in Galatians chapter three and four about faith, and uh, faith is simply belief—faith in Jesus Christ who loves us, cares for us, died. For us. And there's nothing that we have to do to be saved other than putting our faith, our trust in Jesus Christ. And that's it. And that's what Paul is telling the churches in Galatia. He's letting them know that's all there is to salvation is you accept Jesus Christ. You have faith in him. You believe him. And then you allow God to transform you from the inside out. And that's some of the things that we'll be talking about uh, this morning. But last week, as a little bit of a review, we talked about how you can't Choose the family that you're born into. You guys remember that? Um, But that you can choose to be reborn into the family of God. Uh, You can choose to be reborn. You can receive salvation. You can accept Jesus Christ and be reborn into God's family. And we talked about how God is our heavenly Father. And no matter what our view is of our natural earthly Father, we have God the Father who loves us unconditionally. Who loves us very much. Who will never leave us or forsake us. I mean that's pretty awesome. It is going to be one of those mornings again. All right. It is pretty awesome that that he will never leave us and never I just want to make sure you guys are awake this morning. He will never leave us and he will never forsake us. But he is there always and forever because he loves you and he loves me, he loves all of us. And so we are born into a spiritual family where God is our loving Father, and then you and I, all of us together, make up the family of God. And not just this church, but every church in Fort Dodge, and not just every church in Fort Dodge, but every church in the state of Iowa, and not just every church in the state of Iowa, but I'm not going to keep going, but in the whole world, all of us who believe in Jesus Christ, we are family. We're family, and so we have brothers and sisters all over this globe because they accept Jesus Christ, know Him, have a relationship, and we all have the same Heavenly Father. And so that's what we talked about last week. We've been talk- we talked about how we've been adopted as God's own. And so last week we talked about those things um, in Galatians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Um, and this morning we're going to pick up in verses 8 uh, and go all the way through 20 this morning. But I'm going to break it up into a few different sections. You guys ready? All right, here we go. Galatians chapter 4. Verses 8 through 11. It says, Earlier, before you knew God personally, you were enslaved to so called gods that had nothing of the divine about them. But now that you know the real God, or rather, since God knows you, how can you possibly subject yourselves again to those paper tigers? For that is exactly what you do when you are intimidated into scrupulously. Observing all the traditions, taboos, and superstitions associated with special days and seasons and years, I'm afraid that all my hard work among you has gone up in a puff of smoke. All right, so here's Paul talking uh, to the churches in Galatia, and he's saying, uh, earlier before you came to know who Christ was, you followed other gods, you followed other religions, you had other idea of of how to live your life other than how God wanted you. To live your life. And he was he was saying that don't go back to those things. Don't go back to the law. Don't go back to how you used to think. Don't go back to how you used to live. And then he he uses this phrase, paper tigers. He says, Don't subject yourselves again to those paper tigers. Now that that term paper tigers, it's in the message translation here. But what that what that means, it means it's something that seems powerful and scary. But is actually powerless over you. It's a it's a paper tiger. So if you think of a piece of paper and you call it, it looks powerful and it looks it looks dangerous, but can a tiger on a piece of paper do us any harm? No. Have you guys ever seen a tiger up close and personal? I was at the zoo a few weeks ago and or last week I guess it was and we went to the tiger exhibit and the tiger you know just struts around like tigers do. And they just have that walk, and it's like that they're just really cool. And, and you're fine with getting very close to that tiger because there's a cage. You know. And that cage keeps the tiger in and you out. That's a good thing. Now it was it was pretty cool. They're, you know, the tiger was rubbing its back and rubbing its side on the fence. And I don't know what the word is. It's something when they. It's kind of like how they like a kitten purrs. Like they're they make that noise. And I don't remember if it's called like chuffing or huffing. Or I don't huffing is probably not right, but it, it's something like that. Where it just kind of makes that like this noise. It's just like man, that thing is so cool. And I appreciate it and its power. But I would not want to stand this close to a tiger if it was outside the cage, That's right, yeah. because tigers are very powerful and scary. Not so much behind a fence, but up close and personal, how many of you would agree that a tiger is scary? Yeah? All right, good. So we all have some common sense in here. Good. So (laughs) they are. They are very scary. So Paul's saying that these paper tigers, this going back to the way you were living or any of that and trying to put all these rules and and regulations on you that it might seem scary and and stuff, but they have no power over you. And, and so when we're thinking about this, we can, we can take that to a lot of things, going back to an old way of living or thinking. We can do the same thing, that we get caught up in, um, you know, hey, I need to prove to God that I am worthy of being loved. There's people that do that. Maybe you've done that before. Maybe I've done that before, where you think, got, in order for God to love me, I need to prove to him that I am worthy. Maybe you had a father or a mother who you were never good enough for. And so you say, well, I was never good enough for them, so I'm going to show God the Father, I'm just going to do, and I'm going to act, and I'm going to to show God the Father that I am worthy to be loved and respected. I want to tell you something, that's a paper tiger. There's no power in that. Because Jesus just loves you unconditionally. You know, maybe living in fear, that's a real thing. I've talked to people that they're scared of leaving their house because of what they hear on the news, because of what's going on. And they say, there's so much power in in whatever administration is in charge. And the Bible says this, and I'm just so scared. Well, I have something to tell you. That's a paper tiger. It it has no power over your life. The headlines, I, I tell you, it has no power over your life. Well, Josh, you don't know what's coming. Josh, you're raising kids. I mean, you better, be, you better be scared. You're bringing kids into this world? Yes, I am, and it's going to be okay. Because I put my trust in Jesus Christ. I will not fear. I will not be afraid. I will not let the headlines dictate to me how I should act and behave. There's no power in those. There's no power in living a life of fear. What's the Bible say? God has not given us a spirit of fear but power, love, and a sound mind. That's what he's given us. He's given us power, love, and a sound mind. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to go back to living a life of fear because we can trust in Jesus. We can have faith in him. Amen? Amen. Uh, that, and that living in fear stuff, that stuff's real. That used to be something that I struggled with. I see it sometimes in my daughter. There will be something that she just overthinks and overanalyzes and, and continues to think about. And this fear, dro- is, in, and all of a sudden she'll start crying. And it's like, what's wrong? And we get to the bottom of it, and she just gets afraid. And she got a lot of that from me. She really did. I was a pretty worry, like, worrisome, fearful, and, and that's what I've learned, and that's what I'm trying to teach her is that, listen, we don't have to live in fear. We might be afraid, our mind might wander and take it, but those things probably are never going to happen. Trust in God. Have faith in Him. Amen? Um, Maybe you feel condemned for not doing everything right. Maybe you were brought up under, you must do this, 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 and this, and be perfect all the time in order for God to love you. I got something to tell you, there's no power in that. It's powerless. It might seem like, oh, I better do all these things. And if I don't, I'm going to hell or something bad's going to happen to me. I got news for you. God loves you no matter what. Yeah. And no matter what rules or regulations, I better just do everything just so. No, God wants you to love Him, love others, and make a difference in this world by the life that you live and the example that you set for others. He's not saying you must do this and you can't do this and you shouldn't do this. And That's not what you find in the Bible. He says, love God and love others. If we love God and we love others, all those things are going to take care of themselves because we're not going to live a life of stealing and we're not going to live a life where we're saying bad things towards others that come out of our mouth or we're not going to... You get what I'm saying? Because we want to live our life for Christ. Maybe you've overcome an addiction. A paper tiger. It looks powerful and scary. Listen, addictions, they have no power over you. I know people say that once an addict always an addict, but I have parents, Pastor Mike and Janice, who were addicts, and I guarantee you they are not addicts anymore. And I know a lot of people in my life that they were addicts, but they aren't anymore. Listen, that stuff is a paper tiger. That stuff, it looks mean and scary, but listen, addiction has no power over you. Because Jesus Christ has broken the bonds of addiction in your life. He has set us free. And the Bible says that who the Son has set free is free indeed. And so you're no longer an addict. You are free in Christ. You are sober in Christ. That's a good thing. Why go back to the old? Don't go back to the way you were. Move forward into who you will become. Amen? Don't go back. To something, but move forward into what God has for you. And that's what he's telling, that's what Paul's telling the churches in Galatia. He's saying, move forward. Don't go back. Don't go backwards. He's like, I can't, and we're going to read about it some more. He's like, I came and I taught you these things and and you accepted me as one of your own and, and I taught you the gospel message. Why are you going back? And as Christians today, we have the same opportunities, don't we? Each and every day to go back to an old way of thinking or go back to an old way of religion. Listen, we want to keep moving forward with what Christ has for us. No more going back, but only moving forward. Paul continues in verse 12. He says this, My dear friends, what I would really like you to do is try to put yourselves in my shoes to the same extent that I, when I was with you, put myself in yours. You were very sensitive and kind then. You did not come down on me personally. You were well aware that the reason I ended up preaching to you was that I was physically broken and so prevented from continuing my journey. I was forced to stop with you. That is how I came to preach to you. And don't you remember that even though taking in a sick guest was most troublesome for you, you chose to treat me as well as you would have treated an angel of God, as well as you would have treated Jesus himself if he had visited you. What has happened to the satisfaction you felt at that time. There were some of you then who, if possible, would have given your very eyes to me. That is how deeply you cared. And now, have I suddenly become your enemy simply by telling you the truth? I can't believe it. So here's Paul, and he's talking, he's reminding them, hey, do you remember when I first came through and preached the gospel To you, The reason I was able to preach to you, the reason I was able to swing through this area is because I was sick. I was physically broken, and you cared for me. You took me into your home. You took a stranger, someone you didn't know, and you cared for me. He's like, why now then, just because I'm telling you the truth, just because I'm telling you this gospel message, why is it that you've now turned your back on me? Why is it that you would give me your eyeballs? Isn't that a weird thing to mention? You would have given me... I mean, there's nothing you would not have done for me. You would have done anything for me. You would have done anything for me. And now, all of a sudden, I'm your enemy because I'm telling you the truth? You guys ever had that happen? You ever told someone the truth? And they turn around and they not really appreciate that too much? Now, I don't just mean like your version or opinion of what you think is truth. (laughs) But truth according to what God's word says. Because we all have our own versions of what truth, and we all have our own opinions. But what God has said in the Bible, and what the message of God. Have you ever told anybody the truth and received some backlash? Has anybody ever told you the truth or spoken something into your life? And you're like, you know what? I don't know if I like that. <laughs> We're honest. Hopefully we have people in our lives who are honest and care about us enough to tell us the truth. To tell us the truth. So we've all done that. You know, there was a time in my life, it might be tough for you to believe, where I was not always... So smiley, so happy-go-lucky. I was a very serious individual. In fact, they don't come to church here anymore, so I can, I can tell this. They moved to another state. There was someone that they, they, they came to our church, they attended all the time, and they were just gushing about, you know, how great everybody on staff and just how wonderful everybody, you know, the guitar playing and the singing and the preaching and all of this stuff, right, just gushing and then they get to me, and they said, and you're great, too. <laughs> no, no, it gets better. When you have a microphone in your hand. And I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> and, uh, and what they meant by that is that how come, you know, you can be all whatever when you're, you're speaking in front of people, but then, like, the day-to-day, you're just, well, frankly, you're just a little boring. And I was like, man, that was a, that was a harsh, a little harsh truth. But here's the thing, they absolutely loved me. I mean, they absolutely loved me and cared about me, but it made me think and stop. And it's like, I'm not here to please everybody, but at the same time, I want people to know that Christ is in me, and he's given me a, a, a spirit of happiness and joy. And so that my face should show that sometimes. And it should come out in my interaction with others. And in fact, my dad had mentioned to me at one time, Pastor Mike had mentioned to me at one time, um, he said, you know, when you greet people, I mean, it's fine, you know, but you're just kind of like, hey, how's it going? Hey, what's up? Hey, how's it going? And I I can see that, I guess that's how I was. And I wasn't trying to be rude, but when you look at it, it's like, it's not very friendly. You know, hey, how you doing today? It's good to see you. Glad you're here. What's up? You know what I mean? It just seems kind of like, well, that guy doesn't care too much. And he's like, it wouldn't hurt you to, I don't know, smile more? It wouldn't hurt you to, you know. And I was like, oh, so you want me to be fake? (laughs) So you want me to be somebody I'm not? Like Guy Smiley, you know, and like, hey, there by dad, Right? With the big eyebrows and shake my head. I mean, that'd be awful, right? So... It's (laughs) It's because <laughs> and, and, that's kind of how I am. Sometimes I take things um, poorly and get a little defensive and, and snap back. And so I was like, "What you want me to be?" More? You know, and and, and so we had—I don't know if it was a father-son moment, if it was a boss-employee um, moment. I'm not sure which hat was on at that given time, but it was basically like, "No, you don't have to be fake, um, but you can let people know that the joy of the Lord is in you." And it's like, "Hey, the joy of the Lord is my strength," you know. So it's like, "Hey, this all sounds good," and so I made a conscious. Effort not to become a different person, but to allow the Holy Spirit to show up on my face a little bit more (laughs) and to greet people (laughs) and to love people even better than I had. And I think it's a a good thing. And now you guys are going to be paying attention when I greet you. It's like, (laughs) I ran. (laughs) Ah. So here's the thing when you speak the truth in love, you might offend someone, they might get defensive. All right, um, But you're not setting out to offend somebody, hopefully. Hopefully you're speaking the truth in love because you care for that person. If, they're, if, you, if you truly, honestly care for someone, then you want what's best for them. And so then you speak the truth to them out of a heart of love, not so that you can tell them how bad they are, how wrong they are, or what they need to do better, but so that they, you can help them so that they can continue to grow. That's what it, it should be for. Not to be like, vindictive or offensive or just to say, well, this is what I believe, and I'm just going to put it on you, and, and that's how it's going to be. No, um, that's not it. We do it because we have a heart of love. We want to help others. Amen? Amen. Ephesians 4 says this. says, then we will no longer be babies. We will, will not be tossed about like a ship that the waves carry one way and then another. We will not be influenced by every new teaching we hear from people who are trying to fool us. They make plans and try any kind of trick to fool people into following the wrong path. Verse 15, no, speaking the truth with love, we will grow up in every way into Christ, who is the head. And I like this scripture, speaking the truth with love. Speaking the truth with love. And then what happens? We will grow up in every way into Christ. I think that's part of growing up, speaking the truth with love. We can speak the truth But I learned this a long time ago, too, that if you say the right thing, but you say it the wrong way, it's wrong. You can say the right thing. I mean, you've got a valid point. It's good, but it's spoken in the wrong way. It's not going to be heard. It's wrong. A lot of it is in how we deliver it. How should we deliver a truthful message? We should do it out of a heart of love, where we care about the person we're talking to. We're not trying to set them straight or tell them how awful they are. We are seeing their best interest and wanting their best interest in mind, and so we're speaking the truth in love. Amen? Amen. Honest speech. All right, and then he finishes up in Galatians chapter 4, verse 17 through 20 this morning. He says this, those heretical teachers go to great lengths to flatter you. Now remember, there were were people in uh, the churches in Galatia that were telling people, you don't just need faith alone. Faith, and then you also need to be doing all of these other things in order for Jesus Christ to love you and forgive you, which is not true. It's false. So that's what he's saying. Those heretical, those false teachers go to great lengths to flatter you, but their motives are rotten. They want to shut you out of the free world of God's grace so that you will always depend on them for approval and direction, making them feel important. It's a good thing to be ardent in doing good, but not just when I'm in your presence. Can't you continue the same concern for both my person and my message when I'm away from you that you had when I was with you? Do you know how I feel right now and will feel until Christ's life becomes visible in your lives? Like a mother in the pain of childbirth. Oh, I keep wishing that I was with you. Then I wouldn't be reduced to this blunt letter-writing language out of sheer frustration. All right? So here's Paul getting a little frustrated. And he's writing this letter and he's, he's letting him know, he's like, can't you make good choices? Can't you appreciate me and the message of the gospel, whether I'm with you or whether I'm away from you? Can't you continue to do good things and appreciate me and love God and just have faith in him alone? Can't you continue that whether I'm with you or whether I am away? And then he says, "You know how you know how I feel right now that I want to see you live the way Christ wants you to live? And then he says something pretty dramatic, like a mother in in giving birth to a child. Now, Paul has no real idea of what that's like. Can I get an amen, women? (laughs) Men don't really have an idea, but he's saying, I'm pretty sure that's how it's feeling. There's this this anguish, there's this expectation that something great is going to happen, but it hasn't happened yet. And so he's looking at them, he's saying, I'm expecting... Christ's life to be in you. What's he saying? He's saying to do good, but his desire is for Christ to be visible in their lives. He's looking for transformation. He's looking for transformation in their lives. And here's the thing here at New Covenant, we want to see, we want to see Christ's life visible in you. We say something like this, we don't say it as much as we should. We've been talking about it a little more in staff. But we're a community of people, a community of people transformed by the love of Jesus Christ. You and I are a community of people transformed by the love of Jesus Christ. How many of you in this room have been transformed? How many of you have had a dramatic or thorough change take place in your life? How many of you know that you still have a lot of transforming to do? Right? So we have been transformed, but God's not done with us yet. There's more transforming to take place. We want to be a community of people transformed by the love of Jesus. I want to tell you something this morning. I've been lead pastor here at the church for about two and a half years. It'll be three in January. And I got to be honest with you. I try to preach honestly and speak to you from my heart and be transparent in the things that I say. But I'll tell you a very real temptation as a lead pastor, as someone who is buck stops here. One very big temptation that I have is to count how many people are in the seats and how much money went into the buckets or came in online. That's a very big temptation. I remember back when I was in seminary, someone put it, as butts in the pews and bucks in the plates. And I say it that way on purpose, because it sounds very rude and crass, doesn't it? And when you go and you talk to other people who may be a pastor, or different, they always want to know, how many people are going to your church? I mean, even if, you're not, if they find out you're a pastor, oh, how many parishioners do you have? Like, I don't know. If they all showed up, it'd be a bunch. <laughs> Each and every week. That's not a knock on you. I'm just saying, I don't know. And, and so that's why when we have our team meeting every single Monday morning with those of us that work here at the church, we don't talk about how many people were in church. You can ask, I mean, Mel and Anna. Uh, you can ask Pastor Mike and Janice. Pastor Doug's back there. You can ask them. We don't talk about how many people were in church who wasn't in church, who we need to smack because they weren't in church. We don't talk about it, do we? No? We don't talk about money. Occasionally I'll ask Mel how the offering was, if I don't feel like being depressed for the rest of the day. Normally I don't. No, I'm just kidding. Occasionally I'll ask her. But during our team, I'm kidding, come on. During our our meeting together, we we don't bring up, well, here's how much money came in. In fact, the money hasn't even been counted by the time we, we get in there. So we don't talk about money and we don't talk about the amount of people that were in church. There's a question that I asked. I finally got it more like written down so it's the same week in and week out. But, but, yeah. but basically, and you can ask them, we say, what stories of transformation do you have to share? That's, we pray, we get together and we pray for 15, 20, 25 minutes, whatever. Get together and pray. And we sit down, and that's the very first thing. We say, what stories of transformation do you have to share? Has God transformed your life or someone in the church? Have you noticed something? What was it? And we share those things, don't we? That's the first thing we talk about. That's the first thing we share, maybe other than like what we did that weekend or how our week's been going or whatever. But that's the fir- and I ask it every week, have asked it in some variation form or another for the last year. And that's what we talk about. We want to see lives transformed. Now, is money important? Sure it is. Is our people important? Of course you are important. That's right. But that's not our focus isn't more 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 more. We want to grow. We believe that a healthy church should grow and we are growing and I'm thankful for God, to God for his faithfulness towards us. But I also know and understand that God wants to transform our lives, And so we've been talking, what could this transformation look like? When Paul says, I want to see more of Christ in you, what is he talking about? And what does that look like right here at New Covenant? And so some of those things are salvations. We want people to receive the love of Jesus Christ each and every week. Amen. We want people to turn their hearts over to him each and every week. Amen. And for the most part, I don't know, I don't remember a Sunday where someone hasn't given their heart over to God, where they haven't placed their faith and their trust in Him. It's awesome. How many of you actually got saved, received salvation, or rededicated your life in this church? Anybody? brave enough to raise your hand up? Let's give it up for them. It's awesome. So we talk about that. Salvations. Rededications. Uh, some of the things we, we talk about is we have start. Um, start is a four-week Uh, journey, and it it basically talks about who the church, who we are as a church, and what your part is in the body of Christ. We celebrate when people take start, finish start, or when people begin to serve in the church. We celebrate that. How many of you serve in one capacity or another? Put your hand up high if you serve in the church. Give it up for all these guys. That's awesome. Over half. I know you don't want to give it up for yourselves. Well, over half of you serve in the church reading your bible we just the other day someone's like you know i forget sometimes that we have fairly new christians people who have just given their hearts to jesus christ and i was talking to someone they're like you know i've never read the bible and i was like well i, I guess okay i get it that makes sense yeah and and they're like i finally got a translation i got this thing, and i'm and i'm going to read the bible awesome that is great and then i asked hey how's the bible read? oh it's awesome. There's some cool stories in there. Like, yes, yes, there are. Right? And seeing that, that, that lives are being transformed. And we probably don't do a good enough job telling you guys when these things happen. But people's lives are being transformed each and every week. Other things we talk about are, are, are when people join community groups. We have mops coming up. I'm so excited for those things. We talk about sharing your faith or when people bring others to church because you talk about what is most important, right? And so if you're sharing your faith, if you're, that means that your relationship that you have with Jesus Christ is important to you. So much so that you take the time to tell other people about it. And we think those things should be celebrated. And then that's a transformation that when you make that step from I am a Christian to I want to let other people know that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm going to share that with them. I think that's a step. That's a significant change. That's a transformation. And we want to celebrate those things. Maybe it's you're starting to give your tithe or your offerings. Or maybe those that find freedom from their hurts, habits, and hang-ups. We celebrate recovery every Tuesday night. And there's tons of people finding freedom from their hurts and habits and hang-ups. And it's not just people who are addicted to a substance, but it could be addiction to a wrong way of thinking. It could be all kinds of things. It doesn't just have to be an addiction to a substance. It could be the fact that you are just like a nonstop gossiper. I don't know. Maybe it's jealousy. Maybe it's anger. I don't know. But if it's a hurt, a habit, or a hang-up, you can find freedom in Christ. And so we celebrate that. Lives are transformed and people who give it over to Christ and are no longer an addict or no longer angry or no longer jealous, but God has set them free. that's a good thing so that's what we talk about that's what we want to see we want to be a community and that's not an exhaustive list that's a few things we want to see baptisms and see people I got more people growing in prayer and there's so many things that we could talk about for just days on end I'm sure but we don't have that kind of time but there's all these things we want to be a community of people transformed by the love of Jesus Christ transform. There's growth that takes place in so many ways, but that's the kind of growth that we want to see in your life. That's the kind of growth that I want in my life, is that I am not finished yet. Well, you're the pastor. I know I'm not even close to where I need to be. God is still working on me, and I want my life to continually transform. So this morning, we need to move forward into what God has for us and allow him to transform our lives. Amen? We're going to be getting into chapters 5 and 6 of Galatians, and Paul's going to be talking about our spiritual liberty and our freedom, and, and it's going to be some exciting stuff. And he's starting to hint towards it now, but he wants to see transformation take place in our life, and that's what the Holy Spirit does in us. When we allow him to work, he transforms us from the inside out so that even those of us who are a little more serious, we can smile and we can greet people, And we can have a good old time. He can change us from the inside out. Amen.